Hey, this is Thor from Cybrary. If you've been enjoying the Cybrary podcast or one of our other series like 401 Access Denied or Go For It with Sarah Moffat, then make sure to like, follow, or subscribe so that you don't miss any future episodes. And we'd love to hear from you. Join the discussion by leaving us a comment or review on your platform of choice or emailing us at podcast at cybrary.it and you could be featured in a future episode. From all of us at Cybrary, thank you and enjoy the show. On this episode of the Cybrary Podcast, we welcome Mike Berman, Director of Security at Bloomira, to talk with Cybrary's Director of Content, Will Carlson, about workforce development. Continuous professional development is an expectation at many growing companies today, but is it being made a priority? As Will and Mike discuss the moving target known as cybersecurity, they delve into resume and job interview expectations, how to set goals that align with your cybersecurity journey, and the importance of cross-training while finding your specialization. Hi, and welcome back to the Cybrary Podcast. I'm Will Carlson, Director of Content here at Cybrary, and I'll be your host today. I'm really excited to be joined today by Mike Berman from Bloomira. He's the Director of Security for them, and we're going to be talking a little bit today about professional development and what that looks like in the cybersecurity space in particular. Thanks so much for joining us today, Mike. I'd love it if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and a little bit about who Bloomira is and what they do. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, let me start off by explaining Blue Mirror in a nutshell. Uh, we are a cybersecurity provider founded recently in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We offer a cloud-based SIM that helps mid-market and SMB organizations with limited security resources and expertise prevent, detect, and respond to cybersecurity threats in re- near real time. Uh, it's easy to deploy and implement and integrates broadly across cloud endpoint protection, firewall, and identity providers. Great. And and your role as director of security with them, it's easy, you know, no problems. It's always smooth sailing. You know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and a, a little bit about me. I, uh, I started off in cybersecurity back in 2007. I worked for a nonprofit or NGO organization in Pittsburgh called the National Cyber Forensics and Training Alliance. I was in graduate school actually at the time. I had more of a liberal arts background, but I became really enamored with the idea of cyber warfare back then, Uh, realized I had some good technical aptitude and more than a little curiosity about that space. Uh, Shortly after graduate school, I joined the National Security Agency, initially as actually a pure intelligence analyst. Um, But with the technical aptitude, the technical background quickly got forward deployed to a computer network exploitation shop that will remain nameless. Um, But ultimately, I spent the next five years leading, analyzing, and ultimately um, directing computer network exploitation operations for the government uh, against foreign adversaries. Uh, Not long after that, I spent uh, a year and a half with the a cyber task force based at the FBI in a major city, uh, and then joined the private sector full-time, first with an MSP, and then later at a Fortune 500 company here in the Michigan area. Since then, I joined Lumira about a year ago as the director of security, where it's been nothing but rainbows and sunshine, things like that, (laughs) but really just trying to help further the product from a security perspective. 
Yeah, no, that's great. Uh, it's really interesting to hear other professionals and practitioners' backgrounds. Yours seems to have been really, really varied from, you know, obviously the government sector and the yes. private sector and large Fortune 500 companies and now at a startup. And I'm, I'm curious particularly to dive in a little bit more um, to some of the SMB space uh, and your experience there as it relates to professional development, because at least in my experience, um, professional development in those organizations can be a bit of an afterthought. And I know from being in cybersecurity how important it is to continue to grow the capabilities of the team, particularly in small spaces, small businesses, because there's so many things those limited number of professionals are tasked with doing. So I wonder in your experience, uh, how important is it in those small to medium businesses to develop a more of a structured, uh, intentional professional development uh, solution or plan uh, for those organizations and their um, you know, their cybersecurity posture? I think SMB finds itself in a uniquely challenging place. Um, the two most important things to any SMB organization, including a startup like Bloomera, is time and people. Um, easily the most important assets they have. The intellectual property is the result of those two elements. Um, in cybersecurity specifically, we have a particular challenge related to employee retention retainment. Uh, it's not an easy thing to do. People tend to move on after 18 months or so on average. Um, every security manager, every IT manager has struggled with this to a greater or lesser extent. And it, it brings up a couple of different um, opportunities. You, On the one hand, you want to invest in people, uh, but you don't want to make them so skilled that they're so marketable that they go somewhere else. And then on the other hand, um, you run the risk of not empowering your people, not helping grow their skills. And so the best talent uh, tends to want to move on if they're, if they're not continuously developed and so forth. Um, our challenge at, at Blue Mirror was to take a small team and grow it to meet this very, very dynamic uh, technology space where we needed to build integrations into our product um, that made that SIM experience for our customers trivial. So the burden's on us, but the target's a moving one. Uh, our resources are relatively small in terms of time and people, particularly early on in our, uh, after our inception. What we had to do was figure out ways to scale that, to outs find outsource opportunities to develop our workforce, to get them smart on cloud platforms, to get them smart on DevSecOps, to get them smart on advanced offensive security concepts, um, and do that with those limitations. That's limited time, limited people. Um, and that situation is, is a very common one across the SMB space. Uh, organizations put more and more pressure on, on that single or IT team or IT professional <laughs> standalone team uh, all the time to keep them safe, keep the business running, keep those information devices available. Um, so there's a challenge across the board. Yeah, I know as, and as my understanding for, you know, one of the core products that Blumira offers, uh, the SIM tool, um, mm -hmm. it integrates with a number of cloud providers, which have a whole host of, learning curves and problems of their own and idiosyncrasies. Um, so I can imagine with a small team, to your point, tasked with you know, 
keeping the product secure, keeping the company secure. There's a whole lot to learn. And then just in addition to staying on top of all the things moving in the cloud space and the way that the Bloomira uh, SIM tool integrates with all of those things, I, I'm certain it's got to be tough as well because the SIM tool is not the only product that Bloomira offers, right? There's right. a whole host of you know, more managed security services that are baked into and offerings of the, the Bloomira product. So you've got to have a team that's capable of tracking and following and watching the adversary and seeing how things continue to develop. So for a, you know, a startup with you know, never, a, it seems like security people always need bigger teams, but how did you go about making sure the team was current on all of those skills enough to represent uh, all the cloud vendors, all the threats, all the emerging trends. I mean, what does that look like from a professional development standpoint and, and the investment that Bloomira as an organization uh, has to make in those staff members from professional development? We had to take a, a workforce development forward posture on that from the beginning. Uh, the first month I was there at the company, uh, I took stock of, of who we had on staff. We had good talent on staff but we knew that the challenges, the, the tool integrations we were going to need to develop for the product uh, that we needed to get smart on, were going to require um, resources we did not have in-house. And so very early on, I, I adopted this very forward-looking workforce development strategy that involved uh, resources like Cybrary and Hack the Box and other different technologies, things that could impart skills, knowledge, and so forth that allow us to uh, build those native integrations into the Bloomira product itself. Um, you know, any, it's a huge part of our value proposition, but ultimately what we want to do is we want to make those, those complicated features of a normal SIM technology trivial to our customers, right? The SIM customer, traditional SIM customer is tasked with, is, um, let me back up. The traditional SIM customer, uh, faces more challenges and complexities deploying a SIM and realizing return on investment than many can even realize. Um, what we try to do is just make that trivial in essence, make security operations something that anybody can plug into. But in order to do that, we have to become the experts in those technologies, right? That involves engineering skills, that involves offensive security skills, that involves incident response skills. Um, deconstructing those technologies finding the signal in that noise, those logs that are, that are being generated from that new unfamiliar technology is huge, can be daunting. Um, and then ultimately providing expert level guidance on how to handle that. That is a huge challenge. Sometimes, sometimes it can be very trivial to do. Sometimes a simple technology like a traditional AV, deconstructing that, um, very, very straightforward. But in the cloud space that you mentioned, uh, things get much more complicated. Uh, cloud platforms, Azure, for instance, has dozens of unique uh, API schemes that are responsible for generating those logs. We need to understand which ones make sense from a threat detection and response standpoint, uh, quickly suss those out, uh, build native integrations into our product that support those technologies, and ultimately be able to direct a customer uh, to take action on a threat in a technology that we may not have, may not have directly, or may not have uh, years of experience, and we need to build that expertise up very, very quickly. I wonder too. Uh, hearing you talk about this makes me think about you know as applicants are looking to move into you know you, you're you're interviewing for your first cybersecurity role. Mm -hmm. I wonder 
in your experience, both for your team and for yourself, how yeah. important is it to ask questions of these organizations that you want to work for um, what their workforce development plan looks like for a cybersecurity professional? And how do you, you know, assuming that is important to ask those questions, how, how do people in that role um, suss those things out? How can they figure out, you know, hey, I'm, I'm interviewing Blumira and Mike and I want to join his team, but I'm curious about what workforce development looks like for them. So how can they drive to answers to those questions, uh, assuming they're important? I think they're, I think they're absolutely essential. I think we need to remember as job applicants that um, both the applicant and the interviewer are interviewing each other. Um, that kind of gets lost sometimes in the conversation. I think a good manager or a good interviewer uh, at an organization is going to naturally want to bring up what they offer as far as workforce development because it stands out to a candidate and it's going to make that job all the more appealing. Um, the really great talents are want and need to be challenged and they need to be coached and enabled to upskill to do that. But where, they, where that isn't naturally part of the dialogue during the interview process, I think it's incumbent on any job applicant to ask uh, what the average dollar spend is on each employee for security training. Um, that's a reasonable question. Um, or to make or to ask directly what kind of resources they already make available or what examples are of uh, different training events that current employees uh, had available to them in the past year. I think these are all healthy, healthy questions to ask uh, both for the applicant and the interviewer. To so have when, a, and then on the, sorry, just on the other side, for an interviewer, uh, one, one of the things I'm looking for is that curiosity. And so I want you to ask me. I want uh, my pitch about the tools, again, those workforce development tools that, that I'm so proud of purchasing for my team. I want those things to make an impression on you. I'm looking for your reaction. Uh, we want people, the greatest talents have the greatest curiosity. Um, they constantly want to improve their skills. That's a, just a natural trait in seemingly all cybersecurity professionals. Um, if I don't see that in a, in a candidate, to me, that's a bit of a red flag. Yeah, no, you, you totally read my mind on that question. So the next one was my, my next <laughs> inquiry was absolutely going to be, so, you know, the person sitting on the hiring end of that, uh, of that table um, to have somebody ask and inquire, you know, what are you doing for my ongoing professional development? I think communicates a lot and signals a lot to you about how they would, you know, both fit into the team culture with your organization and what they're really looking for. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it needs to be a match for both sides. Um, when a candidate talks about a website that they run a blog uh, related to cybersecurity, musings, uh, research, things like that. That thing jumps out to me as an interviewer. Um, we actually had the opportunity to hire somebody um, based in large part on that. Uh, they were referred to us from an internal candidate, which obviously means a lot in any organization of any industry. But ultimately, it was that person's block that blew me away and blew away everybody else that was interviewing her. Um, the technologies aligned with with a lot of the ones that we used internally, um, a lot of the skills and curiosity in, in research uh, were reflected in that too, that meant a lot to us. And that, to me, um, spoke to that person's incredible potential, not just today, but two or three years from now. 
Um, and candidly, it helps driving salary as well as that compensation discussion is going to be impacted by the kind of upside the interviewing company has or sees in you. Uh, so I think there's a lot of incentive for the for any applicant to show interest in that workforce development on a personal level. Uh, and it's my job as the manager, ultimately for my employees, to make that possible. And, and I, I take a lot of pride in what we've done with that to do to do as well. It's not just get better or else. That's not the kind of culture we have at all. It's really about making clear that continuous professional development is an expectation of your job. That said, I'm going to be in the position to enable that wherever I can, whether it's time or resources. That's what I can do as your manager. Uh, I can give you guidance on what to study, what we need to learn next, um, or what would just be healthy for your career as a professional. Um, all those things, though, serve Blue Mira in the long run. We get the best output, the best candidates, um, and we get the best culture. Absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned it earlier, the importance of, of retention in all of that. And, you know, the, the hiring process, the interview process, bringing somebody in that you don't know, those are all really expensive um, things for an organization to do that are stressful for everybody involved, people on the, the interviewing side and on the hiring side as well. And I think, you know, uh, being part of a culture that values professional development and being an applicant that can say that that's really important to you is, you know, only marginally important because cybersecurity is a really stagnant career field, right? There's never <laughs> anything changing. nothing new. Very dull. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in a space that is, all joking aside, constantly evolving and growing, having both applicants and organizations that put heavy stock in professional development. And I think for me, having been a mentor in this space, that people realize that's, you know, really basic block and tackle for their roles going forward uh, communicates an awful lot. I'm, I'm curious kind of on the tail of all of that um, cross training. I know mm -hmm. having been a mentor in this space for quite a while, it's something that people ask a lot about and it's the cross train, jack of all trades, specialize in one particular niche uh, area. Um, obviously not really a wrong answer there, but I'm curious what your experience uh, in that was and maybe how did, how did, the professional development all throughout your path help you kind of get to where you were at um, from a, you know, whether you specialized or whether you cross-trained. So curious, I guess at the top, specialize or cross-train, and how did professional development help you figure out where you ultimately landed on that spectrum? Sure. You know, um, thinking about that question, I almost want to turn it on, on its head. I think every specialist has more cross-training experience than people may, may be led to believe initially. Um, what happens in cybersecurity is people take different, different career paths initially. People have interest in offensive security, defensive security, security engineering, uh, secure coding, things like that. Um, the truth is to evolve as a professional, to grow one's career absolutely requires that cross-training. Um, and it takes all sorts of special forms. I myself was a history major in college. And somehow I find myself in this high technology space. Um, like I said, I was, I was studying liberal arts in graduate school, discovered cyber warfare as a topic, 
and became enamored with the technology behind it. And those research skills, uh, that curiosity that's maybe relevant to traditional liberal arts is absolutely relevant to high technology in a way that's not obvious, but is very, very real. The critical thinking that you develop in that liberal arts space is huge, huge in the high technology space. And is not necessarily something that, um, in my experience, a lot of traditional IT professionals encounter. I think it's sorely needed. I think that critical thinking is sorely needed. Um, but it's been huge, whether it's, it's going from the liberal arts background to technology. Uh, that happened to me at the NSA. <laughs> I was this liberal arts degree holder um, who had a, a curiosity and an aptitude for cyber warfare. That got picked up um, by my mentors and managers. They quickly threw me at the deep end of the pool um, when I got sent to, to do the computer network exploitation job, but it was the single best thing that ever happened to me. Um, I got a great mentor there. I didn't try to, I didn't ask them what they knew. I, I asked them how they thought. I wanted to know their thought process. Um, and in doing that, you that kind of trial by fire is a very powerful one, very profound one from a professional development standpoint, but huge. Um, was I in an unfamiliar environment? Yes, absolutely. But what did it teach me? It taught me not just the technology piece, but uh, how to make critical decisions with imperfect information. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the kind of trait, professional trait, that will serve you in the rest of your career. Not everybody has that opportunity. Um, but then in a more traditional sense, I got to start off in this offensive security space. Like I said, thrown at the deep end of the pool, you know, people probably were like, what's this guy doing here? Right. With his, based on his background superficially. Um, but ultimately I learned offensive tradecraft exceptionally well, maybe by the best, best of the best. Um, but ultimately it made me a better defensive security personnel. And I think that's not an uncommon situation, but I think the modern cybersecurity defender must be familiar with offensive security. That kind of cross-training is absolutely essential. It's something that I mandate in my team right now, uh, where we don't have a specific technology that we're trying to deconstruct, learn, and ultimately integrate into our product. It's learn more offensive security. Or if you have the offensive security background, Learn incident response, learn digital forensics, um, learn reverse engineering. Um, one, you know, being a Swiss Army knife of cybersecurity skills only makes you more marketable. Uh, only serves your cusp, only serves your employer. Um, everybody gains from that too. Uh, and like I said, we keep coming back to this this conundrum that SMBs have, whether they're startups, whether they're established, um, cybersecurity people like IT people in general are asked to wear more and more hats, not fewer. Mm -hmm. Um, The better you are skilled, the more well-rounded you are, uh, the more dangerous and effective you will be in a good positive way. Um, And I think that gets a little lost. And I, what gets lost, I think, is, is, the, is the role of the manager or the owning organization. I think we need to do more as an industry to enable people to upskill naturally. Um, and again, whether that's time, resources, so forth, um, 
those are healthy expectations for everybody to have that ultimately do result in a positive work culture. And I think it's interesting too, right? So from a, in a cybersecurity world, we don't live in a, a, a kind space, right? It's not repeatable. It's not predictable. It's not the same thing over and over and over. Adversaries are constantly trying to find new ways. There are constantly new technologies for them to leverage to, to get to whatever it is they're after. And I find that um, you know, being a specialist is okay, but if you don't have a holistic view of where what you're doing fits into the larger picture, you're, you're blind to ways in. You're blind to uh, all the things that can be taken advantage of. I like to give the example of, you know, you wouldn't put a new alarm system on your home without making sure it was working. Yet so many defenders mm -hmm. oftentimes tend to put mitigations in place They'll you know, launch this brand new SIM tool and they'll expect the SIM tool to let them know when things are bad without even checking and knowing what kind of events they're even looking for that SIM tool to track for them. So, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I wonder, um, again, back to the, the holistic point I was making, um, I know a number of people that are specialists, but the ones that are the best in my experience are the ones that know where they're specialty fits into the larger yes. discussion so that they know what it is their mandate really is. Um, yeah. I wonder I, if that's been your experience and, and how important is it really just, I know sometimes being a generalist gets given a bad rap, mm -hmm. but in my experience, you can specialize in something, but again, you really have to have that holistic view or you're really, really blind to what's going on in the space. You want to be conversational and more than just your specialization. Um, that's gonna make you a more effective cybersecurity professional, no matter what that specialty is. Because um, you're right, um, the cybersecurity space is a moving target due to the nature of the threat. At the end of the day, really good enterprise defense entails multiple disciplines and coordination between those different elements. Uh, being conversational at the bare minimum is super important. Whether you're the SOC analyst that's trying to implement some mitigation features, but maybe is unsure how that implementation goes or the impact that could, that could come about as a result of those changes, um, I think it's important to know. I think whether you're the security engineer that is looking to tighten up the tools that you're responsible for, but you're not as familiar with adversary behavior, you have to be at least... Um, have a tacit understanding of how that works in order to do that effectively. I think, you know, one skill begets another. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really the, the way the entire industry is going, in my opinion. And it serves not just the employers, but the individuals. That really can't be reemphasized enough. I really think it's interesting, um, the space that SIM tools fit into. Um, you know, it's, Everything everybody would agree that's a defensive tool, but um, again, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, you 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 have to know what you're defending against to know what you're looking for. So interesting to me. I mean, you talk about um, being a bit of a generalist yourself and having a, a you know not an atypical path, but maybe one that some people would say was unique. I don't think anybody would question uh, being in cyber warfare for the NSA would put you as an expert in that particular space. Yet. Here you are working for Blumira, uh, albeit a, a company providing largely a defensive tool. 
but you still need, and you still need on your team, a lot of, if not an equal shake of those offensive skills as well. Um, I mean, is that an accurate assessment? Do you think it really is important for particularly Sim in the space to have a good measure of both? And would an understanding of both sides of cybersecurity help as a, a practitioner using Sim tools day to day? 100%. Um, in the case of Blue Mirror, I think you see that at multiple levels. You see that you see the OSCP certifications among our founders, among my boss, our CTO, Matt Warner. Um, you have my background from the NSA. Uh, other members of my security team either moonlight as pen testers or have in previous life. Um, it, it is absolutely essential. And there's been a larger trend in security technology to offer up a solution, usually presented as some sort of panacea that's going to be the, the all-stopping, uh, all-powerful solution to cybersecurity. That's kind of a joke. I think we find that, you know, really good security products um, think like attackers. I used to call it a combat mentality or a combat mindset in another life. Um, but good defensive technology, good defensive practitioners uh, take both sides of the coin into account, the offensive side and the defensive side. So I wonder with all of the things that we've talked about, you know, practitioners in the space really ought to be aware of. It can be a really daunting task, right? I mean, it's just, you know, where do you start? How much grit's mm -hmm. required? What's the first job I'm going to get? How do I find the right company? I wonder... In your experience, how important is it to break things up into smaller pieces, both for yourself and for your team? And how important are both longer-term goals and intermediate-term goals that are more achievable to continue down the path and keep going uh, from a professional development standpoint when the, you know, the water is seemingly so deep and so broad? I think that's a great question. I think cybersecurity, it's important to recognize, is a journey. Uh, never-ending journey. It's it's not the kind of occupation that you learn once in college or a vocational school or something like that, and uh, you're set up for the rest of your career. It's the exact opposite. Um, I think there's a lot of different paths that people take. The traditional one is the system administrator or help desk person that evolves into a security analyst, uh, eventually upskills to the point of being a pen tester or something like that. I respect that path, having had a unique path, as you pointed out myself. I think there are different ways to sort of chop that up, though. The truth is, make the path your own. That sounds a little cheesy, but I mean, it's true. It's have a goal, understand the elements that go into it, and attack it any way you want to. But you just be prepared to put the effort in, no matter what. Um, whether that's with you know outside training, uh, capture the flag exercises are hugely popular with my team right now, regardless of their sp particular skills, uh, career stage, or end goals. Um, challenge yourself. Challenge yourself at work. Challenge yourself outside of work um, to educate yourself, to get experience. That could be in the form of college. That could be in the form of a certif certification program. That could be as simple as a home lab. It doesn't, that's the beautiful thing about cybersecurity. It's got this egalitarian quality. So 
people can bootstrap themselves into whatever they want to do ultimately if they're willing to put in the effort. Not many, there aren't many careers, in my opinion, that can say the same thing. But it's something I think we're all really proud of in cybersecurity. Some of the best cybersecurity practitioners, some of the best cyber operators um, dropped out of college after one semester, played too many video games, you know what I mean? But maybe enlisted in the Marine Corps and ultimately were posted to the NSA or a like agency, had special training, had special opportunities, and now they're industry thought leaders. That's the beautiful thing about this organization. The path is your own. Uh, there are there are traditional paths and atypical paths. The path that's right for you is is really an individual choice. It's a very personal choice. It's just about putting in the effort. I know I agree completely. I wonder, kind of <clears throat> on that, as we get close to time today, um, if what does the ideal candidate to join your team look like from a professional development standpoint? Is it about their background? Is it about their experience? Is it about their grit and tenacity? Is it what, in your opinion, is, you know, I know that we, we, we deal with finding unicorns. I, I, if you give me that answer, I'll, 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 I might walk out. <laughs> but what, in your experience, really makes an ideal candidate uh, to join your team? So we're looking for people at all stages of the career, uh, and that behooves our organization on a number of levels. We want to be able to promote people from within, give people a career path uh, while they're at Bloomira. Um, the unicorn hunting is super common, but I don't subscribe to it. You'll be happy to know, so you don't need to leave the room. <laughs> um, really, what I look for is, and I touched on this a little bit earlier, I look for the person that has the, the hunting app project they run on their own, that they blog about. That's how they spend their free time. Uh, they have that natural curiosity, that insatiable desire to learn more, see more. Um, I can't teach that. So it's one of those skills. It's one of those skills that I look for. The other thing is goals. Having strong goals, articulable goals is absolutely essential. What are you, what are you working on next? You know, what... What certification do you care about? What do you? What book are you reading? Um, what kind of blogs do you seem to focus on when you have free time? Where do you naturally gravitate to? Having having good answers to those questions, both the home lab question and the goal question, really are paramount for me as an interviewer. I wonder is that because you're just looking for the best of the best and you're being super selective? I'm leading the witness here. Follow me. <laughs> or is that really because that's just what's required to excel in the career field. It's a reality of the career field. Um, my job, I see my job as making good talent great and great talent elite. And I need both, to be honest with you, to get the job done, to be successful as a company, to be successful as a security team. Um, Something I learned at the NSA is there will always be somebody better than you in the room if the room's big enough. It's just a fact of life. Um, you can have you can be the uh, the big fish in a small pond, but when that pond gets bigger and there's enough uh, enough people to contrast and compare yourself to, there's always going to be somebody better. Good employers recognize that strong, hungry employees are the important thing to have the aptitude for one. And there are different ways to measure or realize that, but have that curiosity, have that drive. Again, those are things that I can't teach. 
we can we can find ways to impart uh, cloud technologies, to impart pen testing skills, to give you scenarios where you can practice and learn incident management. But I can't teach hunger. I can't teach it. You either have it or you don't. And hunger doesn't need to be this lofty goal either. It's just what you're passionate about. When people find what they're passionate about and are allowed to pursue it, they're naturally going to be happy. They're naturally going to be hungry. Yeah, it's interesting too. You talk about, you know, when that room is big enough, there's going to be somebody there better than you or, you know, you're in the room and you're the big fish in the room and then the cheese moves, right? I mean, the technology changes and then all of a sudden you were an on-prem administrator and now there's all this cloud stuff coming around and coming about. And you know, I, I do, I agree with you hundred percent that it's, it, it's not just that, organizations aren't just looking for somebody that they can get in cheap, train what they want and keep them underpaid. That's, you know, there are those out there. Absolutely. And it's an unfortunate reality, but it's, it's just the nature of the field. It is constantly changing. There's always new adversaries. And, and we need in cybersecurity roles, people that are willing to always go out and pursue new skills and to really care about drive and be a part of their own ongoing professional development to continue to secure their organizations or, you know, the turnover that you see that you mentioned at the top is only going to get worse in roles because somebody's skills will get eclipsed. And we've got to, we're constantly chasing a new set of skills because the team won't take them on themselves. Yeah. The stagnant team um, is found at the vulnerable organization more often than not. Um, the team that's hungry, constantly trying to get better, hopefully the organization, the employer themselves is trying to facilitate that. Those are the dangerous ones, right? Um, it's it's a two-way street. It is a moving target. The adversaries are getting more and more sophisticated. They're constantly getting around the expensive technologies and, and so forth. Um, defend, or offensive practitioners, attackers, do have sort of an innate advantage. It behooves all of us for very, you know, obvious reasons that we all need to be multidisciplined in the cybersecurity space to be effective against that advanced intruder. Um, the, the odds are stacked in their favor. The technology is stacked in their favor. You see that in the imbalance between um, attacker code and defensive technologies. There's a major imbalance. One is, one is orders of magnitude larger than the, than the other, um, if you want to quantify it. It's, it's true, though. It's much easier to conduct offensive operations than it is to effectively defend an entire enterprise. Um, we got to be better than these hackers. Absolutely. Mike, thank you so much for the conversation today. I know it was really illuminating for me and a great time. Always a pleasure to talk with like-minded professionals that have a really interesting path. You know, I, I guess I will say here at closing, I didn't mention it earlier. Um, I was a vocal performance major in college. So um, <laughs> my path to cybersecurity was really varied <laughs> as well, right? And, you know, I agree with you. There are a lot of different ways to get here. It takes a fair amount of grit and, you know, everybody's better when they work with organizations that care about professional development. And as individuals, I think we have to, you know, take the bull by the horns ourselves and, and, and care about our own professional development as well. Um, you know, again, thanks so much for joining us today. And I just wonder if you have any uh, parting thoughts or words for the audience today that might be looking to step into cybersecurity to encourage them on that path. I think I would just foot stomp that everybody's journey is unique. Um, being successful, 
whether you're trying to get into cybersecurity or progress your career is not necessarily a resource intensive proposition. Um, look for the resources that are readily available out there, open source, make full use of them. Uh, there are economical commercial ones too out there that, um, again, I think every cybersecurity individual's journey is unique. Um, I would encourage people to, to make full use of the open source technologies and resources out there to help better one's skills, whether it's learning a new coding language, um, buying a $30 book that's also a $6,000 course from some other provider. Do whatever you need to do to help realize th those career goals and, and take that make that journey unique to you and your own interests. Don't let the cost or the, the duration of the journey sets you back. Um, everybody started by taking one step and then followed by the other. It's, it's a journey for everybody. None of, nobody, nobody fell into this instantly. <laughs> um, that gets lost in this discussion. We've got so many influencers out there on Twitter and so forth that are really fun to follow. People put the time and effort into to reach that level. And everybody had a unique journey in the process. Great. Thanks again, Mike, for joining us today. And thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, we hope to see you again on the next one. Appreciate it, Will. Thank you. Cybrary, the premier cybersecurity skill development platform, is empowering individuals and teams to secure the future of technology. See why 3 million people have already signed up when you visit www.cybrary.it.